Hey, what's up, guys? Welcome back to Bench Units. My name is Mark. I am joined by James. How's it going, man? Yeah, not too bad. Thank you. How are you? Yeah, good. Thank you. And we are joined by maybe our most excited to be a guest guest we've ever had. But before we get to them, there is nothing I love more than a chance to hit you with random questions about Canada. I don't know why it was Canada. I just decided we were going to do this last time we had Katie Dandenau on. I think it was the first nationality of player that you had a good question for in your head. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> probably so did we have told everyone we... that we're joined by aaron young yet or is that still a well, secret yeah. uh <laughs> it's probably not a secret because people have sent questions in but this should get us moving <laughs> so james oh aaron feel free to chime in on any of these seeing as james has ruined it now aaron james. welcome to the podcast this is <laughs> chaos guys. already <laughs> best canadian dish um, I feel like we're talking poutine or we're not talking at all. Um, Correct. We are talking poutine. That was the only answer I was prepared to accept. Aaron, Best what are your Canadian... thoughts? Ooh, um, so where I'm from, I'm really, um, I'm probably one of the farthest up north athletes you might meet other than Bo Hedges. Um, this is going to sound really Canadian of me, but <laughs> I really, really love a good roast but um it's moose oh, <laughs> oh man that's this so Canadian. literally sounds like we've paid someone <laughs> to come and <laughs> pretend to be canadian do no, you garnish do you garnish that with beavers while you're about it <laughs> no no just <laughs> just a solid moose roast <laughs> that is ridiculous that, i love it that kind of sounds like something i would like to try but i don't know how we would go about getting a moose over here <laughs> to do a roast i feel like you need to go to the moose rather than the moose come to you yeah probably. all right mark next okay. question next question best canadian able-bodied basketball player Ooh, is it jamal murray at this point i don't know incorrect it is Shea alexander ah yeah i forgot he's canadian okay best canadian band or artist uh drake incorrect but we have different music tastes on this front so i'll allow it um best toronto raptors jersey historically uh the one that you were gonna throw out so i just stole the vince carter one with the dinosaur <laughs> in the front Correct. okay best invention by a canadian i don't know the game of basketball as invented by james naismith ah uh, all right uh best acting what are we performance. doing <laughs> I, i've got two more best acting performance by will arnett um anything in arrested development the entire of arrested development you're gonna say the lego batman movie aren't you no that was third behind that and bojack all right okay cool. la- last one best 4.5 player on the canadian women's wheelchair basketball team pass <laughs> you can't pass that's not the game Aaron, i can do whatever question. i want um aaron young welcome to the podcast how are you <laughs> i'm uh good thanks for you having want to answer me. the last question oh uh, pass i'm trying to think if you guys have a third four or five that i could name just to be a wild card but i mean we have sandra and barube ah there we go. You're, get, you're getting outside of our area of expertise here. So we're, we're, we'll stick with pass on this one. So on that front, we're joined by the woman who once faked Katie Dandenau so hard it turned a previous iteration of this podcast into an on-the-record therapy session. And as previously mentioned, maybe the most excited anyone's ever been to be on the podcast. 
when we messaged you, you were so up for it, we kind of thought it was a joke or that you were going to play some kind of prank on us. But we appreciate the fact that you appreciate being here. So first question, why are you so excited to be on Bench Units? Oh, my goodness. I don't know. I think it's great what you guys are doing. I think you're really vocalizing and showing our sport to the world. And like, why wouldn't I want to be involved with that and help out in any way I can? And I don't know. I just I listen to all your podcasts. I'm on your social media. I'm just kind of a little bit of a bench unit stalker, it sounds like. But uh, <laughs> I really enjoy it. <laughs> well, thank you. Also, we're showing the the game that we all love to like a hundred people roughly <laughs> like it's it's not it's not the whole world unless you're a sponsor in which case yeah we're showing it to the whole world and get on board uh we're gonna take this stuff right to the moon uh <laughs> but yeah so i'm going to i say start the podcast i feel like we've been going for 10 minutes already i'm gonna start the podcast the way we start every guest podcast so aaron young how did you get started in the world of wheelchair basketball um mine's I mean it could just sound like pretty much everyone else's but a family friend of ours his daughter had spinal bifida and when I initially got injured uh he dragged me out to a practice and it was like I said I live pretty far up north some would consider it the bush um so I didn't know and meet a lot of disabled people ever in my life until now and so I went to a gym with about 20 disabled people and instantly overwhelmed like how do I how do I talk to them how how do they play basketball in the wheelchair and so yeah I was uh pretty shocked when I first entered the gym and saw a bunch of disabled kids trying to play basketball <laughs> and uh I got thrown into a chair and airballed my first shot and that was a very humbling experience so and only then, uphill from that right right yeah <laughs> and, then, and then once I kind of started to get into it and like my competitive side came out I uh stole a ball from a girl and at that moment I didn't know what to do like I was like oh do I just like give it back like I was that like able-bodied person and I was just like oh sorry and like next play down she hit me as hard as she could and she was like we don't apologize in this sport and since then, the love for it has always been there. So that's kind of how I got involved. This sounds like some sort of like origin story for a bad yeah. guy in a comic book movie. <laughs> <laughs> that's unbelievable. Showing up and being like, what is this? Some sort of circus. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> what is this? Some sort of circus. Or then using the excuse of I was told never to apologize to justify <laughs> doing whatever the hell you felt like. Um before we get into your kind of career from that point onwards, you've gone by the nickname Juice for as long as anybody who follows the game has known you. Did you bring that to the wheelchair game with you or was that something you got gifted when you started here? I fortunately got gifted it when I first started. Um, we went to a tournament with only, I think it was like six players and we were playing five games in two days and I was maybe playing five minutes a game at that point. And one of the players got hurt a few minutes into our very first game. And so then I had to play the rest of the tournament. Right. And I was, man, if I could tell you guys how badly I sucked, whew, it was <laughs> atrocious. I was probably backpicked the whole 40 minutes. And so at 
I don't know, on probably halftime, my coach, Daryl Nordell, uh, called a timeout and he had two juice boxes and he was like, you look like you're dying out there. Please drink some juice or water. And so I was sitting there, I was chugging the juice box. And then I think I finished with my first double double. And he wrote juice on a whiteboard and waved it in the air. <laughs> and since then, I've been called juice. Man, if only if only he had known what he was starting at that point. That's yeah. become, your, become your name. It's like we, we have to ask people about their nicknames because like so many people in the wheelchair game have a nickname that comes from like, in your, in your case, like one club team tournament and then sticks with them. It's like we had Pincho Ortega. It's like if we had Pincho and Juice, you guys are either like a <laughs> cr- crime fighting duo or like a little wheelchair basketball themed cafe maybe. Yeah, I was going to say, that's there's like a breakfast meal deal anywhere in Spain. Um, <laughs> but um, yeah, I think also me and Mark have a special interest in wheelchair basketball nicknames because we both played for a team in Sheffield that like had an assistant coach who just gave people stupid nicknames based on yeah. whatever he wanted. Lies sometimes. Like he called he called someone something and it was like, why is that? And he was like, yeah, because he because he did this and like it wasn't true yeah. like the nickname was based on a story that didn't happen because he wanted to call <laughs> someone that ridiculous so but, yeah we're we're big on the nickname pantheon we need like a bench units nickname hall of fame but we will get there <laughs> should we get back to the actual content of the episode rather than indulging us with our side ventures if you want yes all right go ahead so you um <laughs> You mentioned going to the tournament there where you you guys are down on numbers or whatever, and it was early days for you. At the point where you got started playing, what was the kind of clubs scene like in Canada? And obviously you came across from the able-bodied game, um, similar to, I guess, a couple of players who came down there, for example, and I think a few guys in the history of your men's team. But what's kind of the, the club scene in terms of travel is obviously really difficult, but basketball in the able-bodied sense is a bigger sport. Is it easy to get yourself affiliated with a club and actually be able to play games or are you traveling to play one or two games a year as I think is the case for like some kids who start in Australia and stuff like that? Um, It's actually surprising. Our country's so big, um, but they do a pretty good job of getting clubs started and there's pretty much games or like a mini tournament every like second week um yeah and so they kind of separate it into the west and like the east side of Canada so majority of the time when you're first starting and kind of new your first few years in you are usually playing like so I'm from Alberta so I'm on the west side of Canada and so you're playing lots of um west side teams because sometimes you would have to drive seven hours or sometimes you flew so it really depended but for the most part you just kind of play in your region and then they would have like junior nationals women's nationals and then a cwbl which is like mixed and then they have something called canada games which is like a mini version of the olympics and the paralympics just for canada alone so those are like the major tournaments you go to at the end of the year. And that's when kind of all the provinces come together to play. Sure. And how far did you have to travel to practice in the beginning? Were you lucky? <laughs> um, No, uh, <laughs> because I didn't live in the city and that's like where the only um team was. So I was driving like, depending on traffic and depending on what time practice was like minimum an hour to 
hour and a half. So. Yeah, that that's not too bad by Canadian standards, right? That's like no. esen- essentially a trip to the supermarket, as far as you guys. That's are like concerned. thirty minutes, nothing. <laughs> <laughs> so you um you got started kind of post year injury, and you were you came into the game right at the point where the Canadian women were kind of the one of the dominant forces in the world at to say the least um obviously 2014 world champions and all that stuff so coming in as able-bodied influenced 4.5 what were you who were your kind of influences who kind of saw the potential in you early I guess and helped shape your game or that you modeled your own game after Ooh, that's a good question um when I first uh, literally walked into the gym for my first practice. I saw Danielle Pierce. She was probably one of the best four or fives back in the day. And she was just tilting and holding it. And I was like, dang, like you can do that here. And like, it's not illegal. And <laughs> so that was my very first intro to a high performance athlete at the time. And like, what the best way to do it. And, uh, Luckily, my program, uh, the Edmonton Inferno, they have lots of um, retired high-performance athletes in it that were on the, like, 1996 gold medal streaks. Like, they kind of know what the, being... The we've, a- been do- the we've been doing this since before you were born, crap. Exactly. Yeah. So I got introduced to a lot of them early on, and they just saw a lot of potential in me. Obviously, they I had to learn how to push a chair and drill a basketball in a wheelchair but thank goodness I had a decently ish okay shot at the time so they saw a lot of potential in me and then when I first made the national team uh Janet McLaughlin like I give a lot of credit to um her she took me under her wing even though I was just like this little kid to her and just helped me she really morphed the athlete I wanted to be in a high performance setting at the time. Cause if you think about it in 2014, she was probably the best four or five in the world. Mm. And yeah, she was like scary to play against in practice <laughs> and just seeing her like lift incredibly heavy weight. I was like, that's a person I want to be like. So I think having her early on in my career really, really um, pushed that forward. And then, now it's I kind of get I'm really influenced by lots of other athletes. I you know take a little bit here and there from everyone yeah. and hope hope it's good enough to keep playing. I guess. Yeah. Do you do you have a favorite person you kind of watch and study at the moment, or do you not want to come across as a stalker on a recorded podcast? Oh, I've already said this in an interview, but I really like Alex Haluski's game. Ooh, um, interesting. Why? No, I just <laughs> like. It's one of those where, like, I'm going to be watching for it now. And I'm like, yeah, I I see a little bit. I just, man, like, obviously I hate playing against him because he's pretty dang good. But uh, (laughs) he's just a very, like, all-around athlete, especially, like, in Turinga's game. He can do everything. And I just think that's really strong as a 4-5 to be put in any role in any situation and still be able to perform out of that. So... I know it's awkward because I've maybe said like three words in my entire life to the guy, but I'm like, you're pretty good at the sport. <laughs> yeah. I always remember the first time I played against him, he had 34. And if you had to put a gun to my head, 
I, I still had many he had. I would have said like low to mid twenties. I'm like, how do you have a quiet thirty four? <laughs> like, yeah, someone is thirty four. It's meant to feel like they've got like a thousand points, but yeah, yeah, he's he's unbelievable. But early on, sort of when you were coming through and you were starting to get involved in the sort of the sort of pathway to Team Canada stuff, did you have a moment where you were thinking? wow, this could really be something I might be able to get somewhere in the sport? Ooh, um, again, early on in my career, just being introduced to a bunch of the uh, female athletes that were during Canada's biggest and most memorable winning streak, they all kind of had the same pathway. So they all obviously played in Canada and kind of got their basketball skills and stuff going and then um they transitioned into college basketball in the states and then from there they either got their degree or played for a bit and then came overseas and the athletes that have done that have like really impacted wheelchair basketball in Canada and so I was like oh, okay that sounds like there's a potential I can do that too but I never really expected let's be honest I hate school I always hated school (laughs) I'm a bad advocate for it even though I got my degree um so I was to the point of when I was debating on potentially if I was even good enough to go to school um I literally asked the like high performance director of Alabama I was like do you think I can come down there and play basketball but not get an education and he was like absolutely <laughs> not and I'm like oh okay <laughs> I have to go then yeah it, that's that's only the case if you're like going to go to the NBA in the top like 20 draft picks then you can go to school for like six months and do whatever yeah. you want like yeah. show, show up put the uniform on for like the media day and the photos like step on and off the court and then be like oh by the way I'm shutting it down ahead of the draft but yeah a, a little sport like ours nah you, you can't you you can't do that stuff yeah, you got to grind through it. So once they kind of told me their paths and all the opportunities they got from it, I was like, oh, why not work hard and potentially get a free education and then come overseas and get paid for playing the sport I've been playing since I was five, you know? Yeah, for sure. What was your your reference back to starting the able body game at such a young age there? Do you have or did you have at the time you had to stop playing the able body game? Did you have any sense of what your possible career trajectory in the able-bodied game was versus what it's ended up being in the wheelchair game, I guess? Ooh, um, I got injured on at a really, I got injured at a really young age. Um, I think I was like 14 when I first blew out my right knee. And then um, the doctors um, just said it was a bad sprain. So I then had to re-injure my knee about like, I think it was like 10 times before they actually looked Jeez. at it. And by that time, there was nothing. Like <laughs> There was Shocker. nothing holding my knee together. Um, so I didn't know if I was even going to be able to play stand-up basketball after that surgery, surgeries and just the whole process of it. And so at the time, I was kind of playing wheelchair basketball, but trying to get back into able-bodied basketball. And then something I didn't realize, like one thing like I find, so lots of able-bodies, you know, they get hurt and then boom, they quit, play wheelchair basketball. I got to play two more seasons of able-bodied basketball and two seasons of wheelchair basketball. And I could not tell you how much it improved 
my able body basketball game really? like That's my communication weird. was so so much better in stand up like i had a lot more range cuz i was a bit stronger like yeah. it was insane how how much it improved my game and like obviously my running was not great but um yeah so i don't know i was kind of debating on you know if i can make team alberta which is like our province for stand up yeah. basketball and then i was hoping to maybe go play like at a college level sure hoping and then and i think it was our we're at our it's like our national provincial tournament which is like the biggest one you can do in like high school for basketball uh we had a few scouts out and i was told someone looking at me and i was pretty pumped and i was like all right let's absolutely ball out and get this going and then four minutes into the game maybe i went to intercept a ball and then tried to not land on my bad leg and i landed on my left and then broke my femur tibia and then the funny thing is though is like it happened and i'm laying on the ground (laughs) right but i was laying on the ground and i was just like sitting there like i just knew that my career was officially over and i was just kind of like all my teammates are like crying for me and my coach came up to me he's like oh my goodness like can you still play (laughs) at the time i was like i don't know (laughs) You mean like this game or ever the future? And then I was just kind of like looking at him like, I don't think I can play buddy. Sorry. And, but I did tell him, I was like, you know what? I was like, I'm going to make team Canada. And he was like, but you're hurt. Like you can't. And I was like, no, I was like, I'm going to make team Canada for wheelchair basketball. And that kind of just like totally set my path for what I wanted to do. Okay, because the next question I was going to ask is like, when you switched over, did you imagine that you could be winning like a world championship a couple of years later? Or if not, when did that ambition to progress in the wheelchair game come in? Like, when did it turn from just like post-injury rehab something to do? But there you go. Yeah, I I was pretty, I flipped the switch. As soon as I had a bunch of knee surgeries on my left leg and can get it to about 90 degrees to sit in my chair. I was pretty motivated after that. You said, I'm going to go back to the circus and I'm going to win a world championship <laughs> with all those bums. Pretty much, pretty much. So yeah, you swapped over, you went to the Canadian national team and we're going to talk about that a little bit, if that's oh all right. Yeah. <laughs> so Mark has written a rundown here. And the very first thing he's written here is having won a world championship at your international debut. Did any part of you consider just retiring? <laughs> oh, my goodness. I did not even think about that. How smart would that have been, though? Holy. That would have been. Well, you you guys have got this in common, right? Both of you went to your first international. It was a world and you both won a gold. I don't I don't for the life of me understand why neither of you were just like, right, that's it. <laughs> I'm the done. really funny thing is I yeah. I went to World Championships just like last guy on the bench 2018 and thought, all right, cool, Europeans 2019, Tokyo 2020 would be really cool. Uh, I was real wrong. Um, <laughs> I think I peaked in 2018. As people used to ask me what my career path was, I was like 20, I was like, yeah, Worlds, Euros the next year, Tokyo the year after that, retire at 26. And people are going to be like, you remember him by the time i'm 30 but here we are <laughs> 27 and 
haven't done anything haven't done anything any better since plans <laughs> change um so yeah i'll take that as a no as to you considering retirement aaron but i think it would you advise anyone who followed in your exact footsteps to be like hey just win your gold and get out of there or are you glad that you have carried on for as long as you have well, I'm glad I've definitely carried on because I mean, at that world championships, like I don't even think, well, I didn't play in like obviously the medal rounds and or quarterfinals and anything like that. I was still fairly new. I mean, if I got like six minutes, I was like, let's go. Like I'm the best. <laughs> Ju- juice boxes at the ready. <laughs> yeah. And I had like this, oh, I had this really ugly bright red like Canada red chair and it was just I had like the like maple leaf little fake tattoos on my arms and like (laughs) I was obnoxious but uh I guess how old were you oh I think I was 17 ah you're meant to be an idiot when you're 17 it's okay. yeah, so, like so that this kind of this kind of leads into our next question so our next question we've got written down says as the youngest player on the 2014 world's team that was stacked with legends what was your experience like it sounds like the initial part of the experience was all the veterans looking at you and be like uh kids these days 100 <laughs> percent. like i felt like uh i've I'm so pumped the team was so good with me like they all just took me under their wing and were just like we're gonna try to really mold you into a really good basketball player and they just like ran with it and I was still like I kind of think that you know I let them have a little bit of a let them feel young in the process of doing it (laughs) but uh I don't know I just had 2014 was so much fun because there was no pressure on me really to obviously perform compared to like Janet and Cindy and uh Katie Harnock but uh yeah Katie Harnock shout out yeah oh man my absolute favorite she was she was great my gal she was but yeah like I don't know. I just was so lucky. Like you think of Katie Harnock, who literally has every fake in the book. And that's why I I literally learned all of my fakes from watching Katie. And then just Cindy's pure aggression on court and being able to just to get totally beat down and get back up. And then Janet, the absolute beast at the time. Like I just had all these weapons that I could put into my toolbox. And it's totally helped me grow as a player and I wouldn't have, I was so glad I made that team at that time. I think it just totally like pushed me to keep going. Sure. Is there, it was in, it was in Toronto as well, right? Is that right? Home soil. Yeah. It's not, not really home soil. If you know nope. from, from as far North as you claim, you may as well be in a different country. Yeah. But... <laughs> now, one question I had about that early experience is, and I like asking anyone who has played with, like a team that's kind of changed over a generation is there anyone who was on your first team canada team that you think doesn't really get the recognition they deserve historically because everyone has a guy everyone's like no 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 this three five i used to play with with unbelievable and now no one remembers them and honestly you should go back but yeah i'm always interested in that so is there anyone who played on that team that you don't think gets enough I hope yeah, they, I mean, I hope they listen to this podcast, but at the same time, I hope they don't listen to this answer. <laughs> um, but I definitely think Katie Harnock, like she was, she was an absolute 
beast. And she had all these like elbow and shoulder and back issues in 2014. And oh yeah. To go out there and just perform and like consistently perform. Oh my goodness. And she could she had what a six foot wingspan. Like she could play up, she can play low. Like she would do she did all the dirty work. She got all she could finish in all these funky ways. Like man, she does not get enough recognition for yeah, what that. you will not you will not find two bigger Katie Harnock fans <laughs> than us two. Yeah, no, she like was... I, I mentioned this all the time. I played with her for a year. She came to England in like I think it was that year. Yeah. It was like 2013, yeah. right? Yeah. yeah. So I was I was on the same team as her that year. That's so weird. We shared a teammate one season. <laughs> That's but, ridiculous. Well, yeah, Matt, then you've played with Jim Palmer, so I guess it's not that weird. But like oh, Jimmy. Uh, my, old, my, yeah. my Casey Harnock experience, because I was abroad at the time and she'd come over and I'd not really seen her play. And I was like texting someone back home asking how the season was going. And he was like, You should see this Canadian girl. She's a two-pointer and she is better than all the GB women. <laughs> I was like, she can't be, like, I would have seen her if she was that great. And I think I got back when the season ended, we scrimmaged, and on the first possession out to Ghana, she, like, skyhooked me from, like, out, outside the lane. I was like, what is going on? But I was like, yeah, okay, I'm sold. Everybody yeah. has correctly hyped this person. Oh, yeah. yeah. So, the thing yeah, about wheelchair basketball that I find since, like, being here is you'll see a team or you'll see someone that, people are like that's a baller right there and you look at them and and you know they're have some sort of funky disability or you know they just <laughs> don't look like a true basketball yeah. player so you're like oh no this person nah. I'm gonna roast them and then they go on court and they literally look like they're grocery shopping the whole time and drop 40 <laughs> points and I'm like <laughs> Like, I just find that is so cool in wheelchair basketball that yeah. you can't underestimate anyone. Like, yeah. Yeah, yeah most no, people. You, you can underestimate some people. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm joking. Uh, so you've since become a veteran on the Canadian women's team as they've kind of restocked their talent. What was it like to watch the team rebuild around you and a couple other sort of cornerstones? And how do you feel about the current group going forward? Ooh, it was really sad when obviously we had all the legends of wheelchair basketball kind of retire after 2016 and like how you don't want to really retire on such a sour note in Rio and just to see them go really sucked because they were such huge mentors to me. Um, so in 2017, I was really nervous because I was like, man, like Canada is big, but we do not have the pool of athletes like other countries do so I was really nervous and obviously we had a whole everything change we had all of our staff change we have a bunch of athletes coming in and it was really cool because we're all relatively around the same age so we're a pretty young group and we just really have fun on and off the court and yeah I mean we have a lot of even since 2017 till now the different lineups well we used to only have one lineup which was one four five and then a bunch of midpointers and now Canada has two really consistent and solid lineups and we're starting to develop a third one like it's awesome to see because back you know in 2014 2015 even 2016 we were only using one lineup and so that's a really cool development. But I just think the group of girls we have is 
awesome. Like we're really, we're all relatively young. We all get along. We all understand the sport really well, but we're also really driven. And, you know, you can get some athletes that come on and they were essentially, you know, I play wheelchair basketball because my parents put me in wheelchair basketball, but you have girls on this team that are like, I play wheelchair basketball because I want to prove to everyone we're better than them. Like, you know, we have that mindset that's so different than, you know, other people. And like, we push each other on court, but you should see each other us in the weight room. Like if someone's throwing some heavy weight, we're like, there's a good little crowd surrounding them and just like lift it. And we're all screaming <laughs> at them. And yeah, it's a, it's a really good group. And I mean, we've really obviously underperformed in the last few uh, majors, obviously in 2018 and, and then in Tokyo, we really underperformed, but I think those left such a sour note in our mouth that uh, I think we'll be pretty, we've definitely learned from our losses, but I think we are just like ready to, you know, show the world that Canada's pretty good at basketball sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So talking about showing the world, um, oh <laughs> before the world was postponed, uh, I'll, I'll move on so I don't say anything more terrible about the world being postponed. Mark called <laughs> Canada to win it all. Do you think you were on track to do that? Wow, honored. <laughs> <laughs> um, great question. As of right now, where we are at, so we were essentially had a stage, we were supposed to stage in um, the Netherlands and then go from staging to Dubai. So we just, uh, we kept our staging camp recently which was like two three weeks ago mm -hmm. and as of right now absolutely not <laughs> okay we just but, have very, so very many <laughs> we just have so many people that are um injured right now or coming back from an injury so uh, okay so you guys <laughs> might have actually done okay with the postponement yeah like i think the postponement was a blessing in disguise in that way because we do have some girls injured um but I do think that once everyone's back and everyone's healthy, if we all stay really like mentally focused and kind of not let the outside noise come in, I think we have a pretty good shot at having a medal. Sure. I'm hoping gold, but having a medal. <laughs> and what well, does Team Canada peaking look like on the court? What does you guys doing what you need to do to beat all these other good teams? What does that look like? Oh, um, you don't need to give away any trade secrets, obviously, but I mean, personally, like I've always been, I always get told I'm a very offensively driven athlete. And I mean, I really like offense. Who doesn't? Um, I hate it. No, I'm joking. I just, can't <laughs> <laughs> and so I guess like for me, it would just like be really, you know, being mindful and focusing on like the defensive aspect of the game. Like I know. I mean, I've been playing here in Europe now for this is my third season. I know I can push as hard and as fast as some of the fastest guys in the world. So like, why am I not doing it against the women? So that's kind of the like mindset I have to figure out. Um, but for us as a team, I, I think obviously to maintain like a healthy body, healthy mind is our biggest issue just with people being injured right now. And then um I don't know. We really like to put a lot of pressure on ourselves and, you know, we're our own worst enemies. So if we can kind of get past that, I think we'll be pretty unstoppable. We showed it 
we show it quite a few times, but we need to consistently show it. Yeah. Yeah, that was kind of, James mentioned it there, but I'd called you guys to win it based on, I thought you guys had the best trajectory coming off your America's Cup performance and only kind of a few months gap to, you know, you can kind of ride that peak for a couple of months into the Worlds, but obviously it's kind of a different calculus to be like, okay, now we have to regroup and be ready for like next June or whenever. Dubai get their finger out and are ready to host the worlds again, if ever. <laughs> so on that note, uh, this is this question is primarily gossip driven. So you're welcome to tell me I'm wrong at any point in this. But when word got out Dubai weren't gonna be able to host the worlds this November, one thing that I heard, and I think James, you've probably heard as well, was that Canada were gonna try and sneak in and offer to host the whole thing. Um uh, you're nodding so I assume that's true uh was there like a was there a bit of excitement among you guys if this could really happen and we could get a second you know at home world championships within you know a cycle of kind of only three worlds since 2014 were you guys up for that or would that have been kind of with you a few you've been over in Europe do you think it would have been tough to get back and balance all your staging camps and your training and whatever else um I know that uh, when they're obviously bidding for the 2022, now 2023 Worlds, we were bidding for it. And then obviously Dubai got it. And I know we have the 2026 Worlds now. There's so many years that I have to keep track (laughs) of. But uh, yeah, so that's what I originally knew was Canada did try to um, pick it up. And it would have been to me, it would have just like fueled our fire even more. We got to perform on home soil and like defend like the titles that we've have gotten on home soil as well. So I think it would have just like boosted morale like big time. And again, having like family members get to come and actually watch because obviously Dubai is a really far away place for Canadians to travel. Yeah. And- so I think my parents, I'm so fortunate, have traveled to all of my majors, but I think on home soil, we'd be really rowdy Canadians. So, yeah. But the stereotype of Canadians is that you guys are unbearably polite. So what does rowdy Canadians look like? Is that like the hockey crowd? Yeah. Okay. So it depends because again, the majority of the athletes in wheelchair basketball Canada are city folks. Let me be honest. They might, I might get some backlash here, but no, I, I'll argue it till the day I die. But uh, so my parents will bring, I'm a farm kid, so they'll bring the cowbells. They'll bring, <laughs> they'll bring everything. Show, they'll have all the stops and they'll have jerseys. They have this huge bed sheet that they brought in Rio that has the juices loose, which I know could be wrong, <laughs> but they have it and they wave it like, it's awesome. So my parents are quite loud. And again, they've come to majority of our major competitions. And I really love that my family kind of takes in all the athletes that parents aren't there as well and make sure they're loved and supported. So I think they're really appreciated throughout um, my team quite a bit because they just treat any kid like their own. So yeah, that's awesome. 
That's awesome. I think that there's a few like traveling groups. I think the Dutch fans are really similar for it as well, where it's like, is it Ari's parents, James, who are effectively like parents to the entire Dutch national team and also like yourself and Rose and whoever else they support? Uh, yes. So when I went to the Euros in Madrid last December, I watched a handful of games and it was me, Rose Hollerman, uh, Mendel's partner, and Ari's family and it was lovely we had a great time um obviously there's the Grand Canaria connection there it's not like they adopted me after nothing but it only it, it makes sense when I kind of claim to be Ari's dad that Ari's actual parents would kind of let me be part of their little group for a while but I didn't wear orange because they were playing GB at the time but you know smart <laughs> to their own okay last question on the team Canada stuff so with Worlds postponed um until next year at some point has it changed much of your individual schedule or like your training focuses in terms of how you would typically balance your national team and your club commitments I think you've been you've been back to Canada for a couple of camps um in the monks right but has it kind of changed things up for you or are you just kind of head down and focus on the season for the time being um I mean, obviously the postponement kind of screws with a bunch of athletes schedules and it definitely does with mine. Like now, obviously Canada is trying to get some more camps in and more competitions before worlds, but it will potentially mix in with the season here. So I'm not entirely sure how it's going to go. I'm right now just kind of keeping my head down and focusing on the next game in front of me but it does really conflict with schedules I know for me I know for lots of other people and it's really unfortunate when you can't you can't make anyone happy in the situation so you kind of just have to take your battle ahead on and hope for the best (laughs) yeah did you um did you have a little bit of the same thing I did where part of what happened is you were mourning the fact that you could have had a free summer because that was that was a real thing for me where I was like, obviously the training camps we did all summer weren't for nothing, but oh man. <laughs> Could add a yeah. couple extra weeks in there. Like I am glad that it's um in well, I mean, I'm not glad that it obviously got postponed, but I'm glad it's early on in the summer, just so you know, athletes can still have something of a summer yeah. at the end of it but we have a europeans in august so oh my god well, i don't know I, I might not get picked for either of these things so i don't know i might have three oh months goodness. off but <laughs> and like our qualifiers are in november which again will conflict with schedules here in europe but uh oh my god yeah it's yeah. it sucks like what I logistical must... nightmare what's wrong with a tournament a year every summer <laughs> right it's yeah it's a big headache but uh I mean I'm glad it's in June because then uh we'll still be able to have some time off I'm not happy it's in June because of the postponement but then also how hot it's gonna be there like yeah that's I think gonna really I mean obviously they'll probably have AC bump in but it's still you know to and from the venue you know you just never know. So. Yeah, especially the Canadians have to be careful in the heat, presumably, right? Because you guys are, are cold weather folk above all else. Yeah, it's like so embarrassing. Like Tokyo, <laughs> it was like 40 degrees and we have like ice vests on. We had like uh, cold, wet towels on our heads walking to the <laughs> bus. It was it was a mess. I am not made for that kind of heat. <laughs> it was a lot. It was so that. 
the the answer of I'm not made for that kind of heat. I think you might have just like skipped into our next section of questions and answered our first one because we're just about to move on to the club stuff. And our first question was why was Ryan River Rhinos the right move for you when you moved <laughs> over to Europe after finishing college? Presumably because it's because you couldn't handle Spain or Italy. <laughs> um, I I don't really exactly remember. I know I had quite a few offers to kind of I I could literally pick and choose where I wanted to go, but I don't know, just knowing that athletes that were coming in for the Rhinos, again, were all about the same age group. I know a few of them from, like, I knew Chase Wolf from college. Um, right. So I thought, like, why not come here and, and try it out? And I liked that the Rhinos weren't um, too high up or too far down in the rankings. So I knew that maybe I come there and I can help them. Um move up in rankings and and improve my team my game and our team so that's kind of where I uh, decided to go from there and it was an experience obviously with my first year COVID but uh yeah, yeah sure. not ideal so, no <laughs> but yeah so one of the things we've noticed is players seem to go to the Rhine River Rhinos and kind of settle there is like why do you think that is what is it about the club environment that makes people stick around they have a uh, really good staff and um, the volunteers and all the fans, they're just really supportive. Like if I need anything, staff or volunteer kind of drop whatever they're doing and, and come run to me, which is really awesome. Cause actually like two weeks ago, I locked myself out of my apartment, but uh, <laughs> yeah, like they're just really great. And they um, really try to, bring you into like the German culture but at the same time they want to do things that like Canadians or Americans are doing like this weekend they're celebrating American Thanksgiving and they want all of us to come out and like just enjoy the food and stuff so oh, that's, nice. that's really cool and like yeah. um yeah and I mean my first year we technically didn't have a coach so I can't say a coach really pushed me to come <laughs> here <laughs> but yeah I don't know I just I just really like it and it's a kind of a nice well it is a nice area and not too cold not too hot but yeah so that was year one you mentioned covid and no coach which i must have forgotten about um so that was year one you're in year three now can you take us how take us through how the team has changed in kind of the year to year whether that's just you guys developing chemistry or like new guys in and out. You obviously lost um, Matthias Gundner between last season and this one. So team's a little bit of a different shape. What's been kind of the the learning curve, I guess, of the European club scene where nothing is ever kind of set in stone for too long? Um, I don't know. I just think when I first got here, everyone was super welcoming for athletes and we were, even though it was COVID, we were, you know, we were having team dinners at people's apartments and just like hanging out a ton. And sometimes they would even bring like, I'm not a gamer person, so don't judge me on this, but they'd bring their little like mm -hmm, stuff in. And then we would like put it on like a projector on the wall and then they would play like Mario Kart and stuff. And that was really cool because I'm not a gamer and wouldn't know sure. anything, but <laughs> um yeah so we just did like lots of fun things that we obviously couldn't go to like restaurants or we couldn't like go do a ton of team bonding activities and I think that's what really 
kind of created that core with us, even though COVID sucked that whole season with it. Um, and then again, we're all around the same age and we all like the same things. And so I think that's a big, big part. And like, I've seen so much improvement in athletes being here. So like Chase, for instance, I think he's totally improved his game from coming to college. And the funny thing with Chase is he doesn't know anyone. So like, we were like, oh, Dirk passed on. He's like, sorry, who's, who's Dirk? And I was just like, and everyone just kind of went dead quiet. And then Jim was like, you're going to learn today. <laughs> learn. Yeah, my God. So that was like, that, really cool. The guy that I had 30 a, and a half last week, that guy. Yeah, that's that seems to be a little bit of, uh, I don't want to come across as like blanketing everybody here, but that seems to be almost like an American European divide where when somebody like obviously American Canadian North American let's call it yes um North American content yeah. there you go yeah but when somebody jumps across and it's then like like James had this living with Rose Holloman she was like I just don't think Terry Bywater was that great <laughs> it's like no no he, he is <laughs> that might me. be a misquote i think she i think she was like in general we on this patch yeah, of land aren't as high on him and I was like, oh boy, because that was the year that he had like 47, 43, 38, three games in a row. <laughs> I was like, this guy is not bad. Um, it's kind of cool though. That's Chase's attitude that he's like, I don't care who they are. Just I'll roll out and take them on. Yeah, I totally, I totally loved it. And then like getting Mattis the second year, he was like a perfect addition to the group that we had. And Obviously, getting Bozy, another Canadian, to coach was really cool. I've never really been truly coached by Bozy. Obviously, we knew each other from just the sport, but that was um, really cool. And then Andy Kress coming in, in and out to help out. And then he ended up coaching our last few games against Turinga. But I don't know. It's just it's a really good group of athletes. And especially when I was coming off of Tokyo, I was very ready to hang up my chair and call it a day right. and I was very very close to stepping away and I think that the Rhinos, Bozy, Andy Crest, they all did a really good job of just being like okay let's just try to you know find the love again and let's just try to make sure you're having fun and then since then I was like I've just I've I've just like totally refell in love with the sport and it's totally to do with like my teammates, Bozy, Andy Crest, like they just did so much to get me back into it. And I think that that's obviously really helped my game, but I don't know. I just have a soft spot for the rhinos. <laughs> so not, not going anywhere anytime soon is what we can take away from this. I guess. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, so let's, let's t talk this year a little bit. Um, so slightly different team. You obviously lost Guntner, as we mentioned, uh, opted for a slightly different style of player in Moji Kamali, who's joined you guys. Um, pretty ball dominant player and more from kind of an Eastern approach to basketball than a lot of the European and North American guys you guys have. How has it been fitting in a slightly different piece this season? Ooh. When we when I first found out we were getting Moji, I was like, oh man, I can't wait. Cause he was 
he can shoot from anywhere and it doesn't matter who's on him and I was like this is going to be the coolest addition we get especially because he's super feisty and he's fast and I remember when like it was like our first practice it was so chaotic (laughs) and I was like what is going on I was getting gray hair just sitting there watching practice (laughs) and I'm a very like I'm a very patient player I'm a very like put the pieces together and then the play comes out and you know and and now it's just me as the only female so all the guys are like let's push as fast as we can and shoot the ball and I'm like no (laughs) no please no and uh, I think that I mean now I think that we're starting to really kind of find our groove and uh, be able to balance out everyone's strengths and I think Moji is just going to have a great rest of this year and he's going to absolutely kill it in the second half of the season. And I mean, hopefully we get the Turkish players, but yeah, I don't know. That's uh, there's something really funny to me about like people coming in and watching Moji Kamali run and gun and be like, Oh, that looks like fun. Never mind this, like getting down the floor and pointing and setting things up business. Let's just go, go, go. Yeah. But I feel like finding a balance between how you guys have sort of found relative success in the last couple of years and bringing a guy who is obviously great at that way of playing in. That's a pretty hard balance to find. And obviously that's a pretty tough gig for Lucas Warburton coming in as a first time coach at this level. So what's it been like having him come in and how's he doing? We're, we're, we're big Warburton fans in general here. Yeah, uh, For anyone who doesn't know, Lucas actually has a brother who plays wheelchair basketball and isn't bad. <laughs> yeah, he could be something someday. He <laughs> also has a, a, a mother and a father who are some of the biggest traveling fans in wheelchair basketball. Oh, yeah, true that. <laughs> They're in Dubai at the minute, I think. Yeah. Already, but they had it booked for Worlds and they just <laughs> went anyway, which is amazing. <laughs> Uh, I don't know. I really, I really like Lucas when I remember his like first day and we're all talking about his age and we're like, he's literally like the youngest guy. And so we're all just kind of, we were all just quite curious of how this was going to go. Cause you know, we just didn't know. And yeah, the first day Lucas, like, I forget what, his drills. They were all intense. Like they were like, I was with the national team intense lots of pushing you have to stay focused and I was like oh my goodness I love this like where did this come from like I need this in my life and he gets along with everyone and I find that Lucas can have like those one-on-one conversations whether they're tough or lighthearted. I just I think he's really you know finding his coaching role and his own little philosophy with it and I think this is like the best team he could be put into because we're all just very like chill open-minded and yeah I think he's a really good addition and sometimes he's a little too nice but uh <laughs> I feel like all of them are a little too nice <laughs> sure. did, did you have a moment where you met Lucas and you heard like the relatively thick Manchester accent for the first time and you're like this is not what I was told English people sounded like I'm gonna be honest it took me about two weeks to figure out what the heck he was saying half the time. Like he, he, he would talk so fast and like, I was just like, dude, slow the heck down. Like, what are you doing? And uh, at first it always sounded like he had marbles in his mouth. And I was like, I can't understand you. 
<laughs> and then yeah. just obviously like your guys's basketball lingo versus like ours like we were having a few mix-ups there and but we got it now we can all obviously understand him and yeah his accent's uh pretty thick especially when him and Jim get going there's I can't tell you how many times we all start to like intervene and start talking in a British accent and it's <laughs> it's a lot <laughs> right can you answer the next question in your best British accent to prove to us Oh my god, no, I'm gonna get roasted so hard. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Last one on this one. You mentioned it a second ago, but you guys obviously signed uh Ugo Toprak and Kamel Khan. Any word on when we're gonna see your Turkish players arrive, if slash when? Uh, I don't know if it's been like visa issues or whatever else, but we've been we've been excited to see you guys with a full squad and it's not happened yet. Yeah, I'm not I really hope we do get our full squad. I'm not exactly sure either. I'm I'm pretty sure it's visa issues. Um, but I know that they had uh, a meeting sometime this week for it, and I'm not sure we gotten an answer just yet if it's like confirmed that they are coming or not. But I really do hope they do come. Um, I think I could learn so much from Top Rack and vice versa, and that'd be really cool to have them as a teammate and. It'll be interesting to see. I like being the only girl, but dealing with so many boys can sometimes, I feel like a mom out there. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So one of the questions when we put out for listener questions, one of the questions we got was from the Rhine River Rhinos Instagram account, and I don't know who runs it, but they asked, what do you think your time in Germany so far has done for your individual game? Ooh. Um... I think my game has really grown in a more of a mature way than I guess like tactics and all that. Um, I think playing with men and playing at such a fast pace for 40 minutes has improved my game in the women's like in any women's game. I find I find it like the women's game really slowed down now for me. Um like mentally and physically, I can just see things that I maybe used to not be able to see before. And uh, I don't know, just being here and playing with men, it's the best reps I could ever get. And I just find that I get a lot of confidence. Like I'm a very, I really like to prove people wrong. And so when I'm playing men, that's like my favorite thing to do is make you guys look dumb. (laughs) So. No offense. Easily done, I imagine. All right. Yeah, we we already do look dumb. It's fine. Um, Probably sound dumb. (laughs) So I just think that that's like obviously really helped, like just with my drive and stuff. And again, being able to stop like Simon Brown. I mean, I stop him like once every like seven times. But when I do, I'm like, hey. That's pretty. That's pretty good going against him. (laughs) Yeah, it's pretty tough. And. uh, I find that, again, like men obviously are really good at like trash talking and like trying to get into your head. And I re- I find that being here and just I've really been able to like just control the things I can control and not focus on anything else. And I mean, I've just learned this like within the last few months and I'm hoping to continue to keep learning it. But uh, I don't know. I guess that would be the way that it's improved or helped my game. Do you do you partake in trash talk in response or do you do you do the like 
strong and silent thing. <laughs> See, I wish I could be a good trash talker. Chase, he, Chase, my teammate, man, he will like stab you in the gut, rip you apart, and then hang you out to dry. And that has been the most, like, I've had to learn how to be very mentally strong. <laughs> and, but for the most part, I don't really, I'm, when I'm in, on in a game I'm very good at just like shutting down everything else and focusing on what I need to do so there's been times where at the end of the game the guys will come up to me like yo did hear you hear what this guy said and I was like no and he was like okay good because it like it was pretty mean and I'm like oh okay <laughs> cool but I'm not a good track trash talker I'm the I get trash talking and I'm like oh yeah well <laughs> yeah oh yeah well Shut up. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I do find that it's quite disarming if someone trash talks you, talks you and you're like, yeah, okay, like, fine, <laughs> whatever you Sometimes want. Sometimes I'll laugh. Like, if you have a good one, I will laugh with you because I'm oh, like, yeah. dang, like, that was good. But I, I find it's really hard to get under my skin or like in my game mentally. But there's been some good ones that I've actually laughed at. But sure. Yeah. All right. Next question. Uh, Next question that came in was from Mendel up to north. Uh, what do you make of the fact that there seem to be more low point women in elite mixed leagues than high point women's players? Oh man, I wish that there was more women in the leagues here um, in any classification. Uh, obviously, it makes sense. Like a female one has like the most, like they're playing as zeros or even negative five. Like they're just. It makes sense. They're like hidden gems. But I think that, especially in the women's game, like I know that I would say there's only a few of us that think they're like confident enough to come here and play here and they're here. And when I try to, you know, be like, hey, are you interested in coming overseas? I always get that I don't think I'm good enough or I. I don't know if I'd be able to do it playing with men. And and it's really like disheartening because I'm like, yeah. you show up people all day, every day in North America. Like it's the same here. You're just, you might not know the person you're showing up. And yeah, there's plenty of guys that aren't any good in all the leagues. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> like I'm, I just wish that, you know, there's some really awesome female ballers and I'm just like, come over here, try it. But mm-hmm there's a lot of hesitation and I can't, you can't do any more pushing until they just kind of do it themselves. But I'm trying like doing my best to try to get more over here, you know, but it's tough. <laughs> yeah. I, I I do think every female player who's kind of national team level, especially in a squad like Canada with a pretty deep squad, I think every women's player should at least give it a go. If it doesn't work out for you or you, you don't enjoy it in year one, then obviously don't carry on doing it just to like try and prove you can stick but there's nothing lost from giving it a try for a season yeah yeah totally right shall we hit listener questions cool all right so once again whoever runs the ryan river rhinos instagram account has written in and has told us to ask how much you can bench press and followed it with a laughing emoji Oh boy. Um, I don't know why. I don't know why I always have, this is a question I get all the time and I don't know if it's, I don't know why, but 
Oh boy, I should probably do it in kilos, hey? That I was just about to say, out. we want kilos. None of your funny money here. None of your, <laughs> none of your monopoly money. Okay, okay, okay. Hold on. If you hold said on. in pounds, I was going to be like, what's that in euros? But yeah. um, Okay, convert also, it. Also, cut it in half-ish. <laughs> like 2.2 to 1. Like, um, Converted my one rep max is 105 kilos. Yeah. That's also, you good. should have just said it in pounds, and we we would have been like two twenty. What? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I get that a lot. I don't know patient. what that. I don't know what they're laughing about, man. That's a respectable one rep max. Who, who runs know. this account? Uh, there's a bunch. I know there's a couple of us that have the account. Ah, <laughs> uh, um, okay. So. Oh, wow. Uh, that being a player run thing is quite unique, probably, but that's quite cool. They've also <laughs> asked. What is the best advice you have ever received? Which is nice because that's a question that I like to ask people on the podcast. Mm -hmm. Um, I guess I've gotten this from Ross Norton. He's from my um province back at home. That's it's something that's really stuck with me. It I mean, you can have all the motivation you want. You like if you want to be the best, you just be the best. Do it yourself. Um, but for him it was uh never let anyone change you and i feel like i've i've been through a lot of in my career i've been through a lot of lows more than highs and i think that has been the thing that's like stuck with me the most is to not let any of those like bad situations change you or like bad coaches change you and stuff like that so sure and this is normally the part where I used to follow up by saying, what's the worst piece of advice you've ever received? But no one ever has a real answer. So I just kind of, oh. that's more for my own benefit. But I will follow it up with the other weird question I ask people. What's the weirdest thing you've ever seen on a basketball court? Oh my goodness. I There's feel like so many. Is it someone fact... trying to land on their good leg and breaking their, and someone trying to not land on their bad leg, breaking <laughs> their good leg so badly that they have to play wheelchair basketball? No, no, no. I have so many wheelchair stories that I'm like, some are super gnarly, like hygiene issues gnarly. Yeah, and that's then... usually where Everyone's this real answer is the time that that person went to the bathroom while playing basketball. <laughs> oh man, those are just so. They hey, it happens, me. man. Like <laughs> it does. Um, obviously, the uh, poor uh, Mexican girl getting an absolute crotch shot. No one really <laughs> wants to see that. That's, <laughs> that's always been a highlight of mine. But I'm gonna. Oh, Jim's might hate me, but I told him it happened yesterday in practice. And I told him I was like, I'm gonna say it, and he was like, No, you won't. And I no, leave it Jim alone. No, no, it's let's have too it. Good. So we're like practicing, playing. And I look over and I'm like, man, is he wearing like an undersleeve? And I was like, oh no, just keep playing. And then we ended up being on the same team. And it's like during a time where I come up to him, I was like, Jim, are your are your pants down? <laughs> and here they were like past, past his underwear and just like <laughs> barely hanging on. And <laughs> But the thing was, is Jim was shooting so well at practice yesterday. I don't think he missed. And he was like, because my pants were at my. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to say, so what, what, 
when James asked you the what's the weirdest thing you've ever seen question, I would have put money on this being a Jim Palmer story. <laughs> <laughs> That's delivered. Has anyone ever shot their shorts off? <laughs> I was literally, and then he was like, what are you talking about? Look down and realize, and then he started laughing, and then the rest of the practice, I was like out of commission because I just kept laughing at it, but he continued to shoot well with his pants uh, fully on. So That's all good. that is. Do, do you think if he rocked up to a game like that, it would be an automatic technical foul? Oh, I don't know. I mean, maybe. I guess it... I mean, it's never happened, so I don't even know if there's a rule I think, behind it. I think, for, I think for the image of wheelchair basketball as a sport, it probably should be. But yeah, it's probably never been dealt with before. So. <laughs> Imagine if there was a new series of rules that were just technicals for making people in disability sport look bad. Oh, <laughs> well, it's anything that's really disabled of you. <laughs> just Well, it's like you, you mentioned the whole like bathroom issues thing, and it was Ben Fox's rule that if that happens in a game, it should be an automatic technical. <laughs> it's like... <laughs> <laughs> most merciless thing I've ever heard, but you can kind of see where he's coming from. Oh, I the love thing that. With, like the gym's, you know, pants falling down. <laughs> love that. I'm like, you know what? If you shoot like that and your pants are at your ankles every day, I'm fine with it. I respect <laughs> But like the amount of times that I've also that's not the first time it's happened. I've seen people like fall under their chairs and their like jawstring is like attached to the strap and then when they as a four or five because let's be honest half of them cheat when they fall out of their chairs <laughs> their shorts will come down with them it's just <laughs> i've seen that so many times and i just i can't handle myself i laugh every time you've yeah. officially smashed the weirdest thing you've ever seen category <laughs> the amount of people the that we thing. ask and they're like i don't have anything um, it's really disappointing so they're for sure that. lying come yeah. on they're totally lying of course <laughs> <laughs> All right, next question also from the Ryan River Rhinos official account. What is something you're currently working on that doesn't involve being an athlete? Oh, okay. Um, this is new. I don't think lots of people know about this, but I am getting my um, coaching stuff done to coach wheelchair basketball. And oh, as of right now, I just finished my level two so I could coach like nationally. And that's really cool. And hey going to be starting the last i don't know what would you it would be like the level the last level which is then i'd be able to coach internationally um, lucas must be looking over his shoulder um i well i did tell him and he was like "Uh oh (laughs) sorry it's all right you don't need you don't need coaching qualifications to coach internationally it's fine that's what you said too not a real thing um because like i don't know we like in british wheelchair basketball there's levels one two and three i think there's like a handful of people that have even thought about level three level two barely is anything to do with wheelchair basketball it's not it's it's that's true we also we said we sound like we we sound like we're massively diminishing your accomplishment (laughs) also that is cool and congrats for having written in the question to make us ask you about it Oh, I did not. Oh my goodness. That, that, that's like my that. theory. Oh my God. No. Okay. Next question. Move on. No more accusations. <laughs> this is from Roseanne Garad, and she says, Can you name your world women's all star five team? Oh man, that is so hard. If you need to circle back to this one, we can throw a couple more questions in in the meantime. Mm-hmm. No, you it. need to put man, you need to pit women against each other on the spot. Right? That's what we like to do. Okay. If it's not with me, because I'm assuming I'm not in it. Do whatever you want. Yeah, we're not um, gonna we're not um, gonna stop you. 
I don't know. Ah, no, take that. yourself out. It's more fun. Okay. Well, actually, actually, you um, when we asked the who's the best four point five Canadian women's player, and you said pass. I assume if you're putting yourself in, that means you're taking Katie Dandenau out. So you answered <laughs> I, I say, that question. I don't least. know. That one's tough because. I think all of the four fives in Canada all bring something super different. So, like, depending on the game, yeah, Katie's definitely the best. And depending on the next game, Sandrin's the best. You know what I mean? So it's tough. Like, we all kind of go through waves. But, uh, okay, without me in it, I would say Katie, down and out, my other Canadian. Um, Marushka. Heard of her. Heard of her. <laughs> I'm joking. Um, Stop doing that. <laughs> God. I, I would man, I would just tip all the yeah you're, you're also welcome to go over points here because seemingly points don't apply to all star fives as of the last like five years or so they're just okay. like no, no man we we need to we need to draw a line here okay. you need to go to you can go to like 14 and a half you can make this a club lineup if you oh, want oh man i'm really no reduction okay so katie marishka yitzka sure that is uh, the yeah i would do pusan light the little canadian girl that was in 2019 she's stepping back right now but i would say her she's really fast and really strong and then um i'm so torn for my midpointer well how many points is that i don't even know (laughs) well that's 4.5 mariska four so that's eight and a half yitzka one that's nine and a half uh i don't know how many other points okay so you're at So oh you're god, at 10 and a half points there. Oh my god, I'm gonna be under points. Um I don't know. It's I'm really torn for my mid classes because I would do again a Canadian Rosalie Lalonde, another Canadian LD Tessier. I would do Lori. I really like Lori's game, Lori Williams. Uh, I'll just point this out. There's some serious Rose Holloman disrespect going on with three, oh, three and, and a half Rose. points. Oh my God, God. Yeah, you've got three five. You've oh got three God. and a half points left admit, over. Admit, I feel like. admit. Okay, okay, Rose. That's it. Sorry. Oh my we, God, we, she's gonna kill we me. Co- we coached you through that one. <laughs> friends, friends of the podcast. <laughs> Little alley for me. <laughs> yeah. Okay, last couple. These are both from Colin Higgins, oh who I believe you know. Also, his. When you see his um, Instagram handle, it is like C Higgins. And I was like, who is Chiggins for a second? <laughs> but um, this is actually also a question we ask. If you could change or add any rule in wheelchair basketball, what would it be and why? Ooh. So this is anything from adding a four-point line to completing an alley-oop automatically wins <laughs> the game or anything in between. You can have a serious one and a joke one because that's kind of the line that I think people draw a lot where like I have real gripes where I would change the game of wheelchair basketball and I also think it's hilarious to throw people out for stupid reasons. What what what's a rule you would add referees who know the rules? Oh, I would I would want to do one on see because let me be honest. Most of the world before fives cheat. Like, there's no denying that. No, come You on. see it everywhere. Everyone lifts. It's fine. No advantage. So it's game. like, just, like, omit that. Like, obviously, put, like, the right, like, they have to stay at the right height. But then, like, if they want to stand, they want to stand. Because everyone's standing right now. It's ridiculous. I, I, like, in my chair, the way my setup is, I can't. And it frustrates me so much when someone that's smaller than me gets the rebound because they're standing and it just but I'm like you know what 
it's if this rule needs to get figured out because you either let them stand or then you totally don't like sure, there has yeah. to be i i strangely don't mind it the way it is at the minute because if everyone lifts a little bit refs don't really care but like if you lift the standard amount and then someone stands up vertically a ref would be like hey come on man technical file because like <laughs> it's about gaining an advantage if we both lift three inches fine whatever but yeah. if i lift three inches and you lift 10 <laughs> there's the problem so I actually i don't mind it so a whole lot i had a conversation with someone where i was making fun of a teammate of mine for lifting a lot and he was like hey come on everyone does it and i was like yes and i'm making fun of you so what does that say <laughs> like <laughs> <laughs> yeah that one drives me nuts because oh like especially playing with the men like oh, they're always standing it's sure. like either yeah. sit down or figure out your chair yeah i had a thing as well like refs refs need to figure out where the line is because we had a game last year where one of, our, one of our guys got called for the very first play of the game he got called for a lift and i went over to the ref and i was like i'm not going to complain about this call whatsoever but you better call every one of these for yeah. 40 minutes <laughs> i was like you better mess this and they didn't no oh, i think i think if you tried to call every every lift in a game the whistle would run out and i know a whistle can't run out <laughs> but it, it would God, okay right. last one from colin then Oh, what boy. are you most proud of when you look back at your career so far? Oh, jeez. Um, obviously, I mean, I I haven't won. I mean, I've won some medals, um, but those aren't really. I mean, they're accomplishments, but I don't really consider those the biggest highlights. Um, I guess for like for my college point of view it would have been obviously just graduating because never in my life did I think I'd be walking away with a bachelor's degree ever in my life what what's your degree in so we can see if it's a real subject or not oh boy here we go exercise sports <laughs> okay so no <laughs> really you know I don't even judge you on that <laughs> and then I guess for here it's when the team has made uh the top four and then last season, I was the only female. I don't know the exact history on it. Like, I think Janet's been in the top 10 when she was playing in Europe. But I was in the top 10 for uh, points um, last season, which is really yeah. cool. I was the only female and loved to see that. It was a big goal. Yeah. Nice. That's a bit that is a big accomplishment. And then Rose Holloman saw that and was like, hold my beer. I'm coming to Germany. <laughs> yeah and she balled out against us oh <laughs> sacked <laughs> that's right. cool man i didn't realize that last year that's that's big nice yeah, yeah for sure i think we'll, we'll end on that note because that's pretty wholesome and we'll not not pile any more stupid questions in and degrade ourselves further <laughs> all right so end of the questions end of the podcast aaron thank you for being here we really appreciate your time thanks for having um, me no problem. We hope Thanks this has listening. lived up to expectations. Yes, it did. <laughs> <laughs> nice. All oh, right. Yeah, listeners, thank you. And we will be back uh, probably on Monday or Tuesday by the time you listen to this. So yeah, peace out. Take it easy. Thank you.